You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show, and I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Big shout out if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps check out some past episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys all rock. You're amazing, and I always appreciate the support so much. A big thank you to my amazing sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please do consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would be amazing. So today, my guest on the podcast is Dr. Wallace B. Mendelson. Dr. Mendelson is a professor of psychiatry and clinical pharmacology and a sleep researcher, as well as a writer. He has authored or co-authored four books and numerous scientific papers, primarily in the fields of psychopharmacology and sleep medicine. He joins me on the podcast today to discuss antidepressants and share his insight about his book, Understanding Antidepressants, which you can find on Amazon. We'll chat about how antidepressants work, how they affect the brain, the use of this type of medication with those who suffer from PTSD, alternatives to medications, and the importance of taking an active role in your treatment. It's really an amazing podcast, and Dr. Mendelson is a wealth of information, and I'm honored that he was able to join me today. So without further ado, let's join that podcast with Dr. Wallace B. Mendelson right now. So good afternoon, Dr. Mendelson. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? Well, fine, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to chatting with you today. Absolutely. I am as well. And I'm so grateful that you're able to take some time out of your busy schedule to join us here. And we're going to talk about uh, antidepressants and PTSD and depression. And we're going to learn about the resources you have available for this and on this topic. But before we get into all of that good stuff, why don't we take a minute, you can introduce yourself and tell um, everyone a little bit more about Dr. Wallace Mendelson. Well, sure. Uh, Again, my name is Wallace Mendelson. I'm a psychiatrist uh, and also a sleep doctor. Um, I've been very involved in treating the depression for um, many years and hence uh, my interest in writing the book, Understanding Antidepressants, which is now available uh, on Amazon. Uh, There's actually a great deal of overlap between the issues of sleep and the issues of antidepressants, which is why I, as a sleep doctor, uh, got so involved in this uh, group of drugs. So I'd be very happy to 
answer your questions about depression in general um, and antidepressants in specific. Uh, I'm happy to comment on um, uh, the use of antidepressants in PTSD, although I, I do have to uh, give you the caveat that I'm not specifically, uh, you know, claiming to be a PTSD uh, doctor. I certainly take care of many patients uh, who have had traumas, but uh, my, my specialty is indeed depression and sleep. Absolutely. And yeah, we are definitely going to get into all of those topics and more. And you had mentioned about being a sleep doctor, which uh, you and I were talking before we started recording. And um, I would love to bring you back on a future show in 2019 so we can dive more into your work with sleep. Um, because I know so many people who listen to this show, and of course, myself included, have had more than my share of struggles with sleep and, you know, how that relates to depression and, you know, medications and, you know, the, the stresses of life and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to talk about that on a future call. And for this one, since we are talking about um, antidepressants, and this is um, a field which you are very knowledgeable in, and and of course, I've written a book about. So why don't we kind of talk a little bit about exactly what is an antidepressant and how does it work? Well, sure. Um, for just a moment, it might be well just to give a little bit of background about the issue of major depression in general mm -hmm. uh, before we turn to medications. Um uh, the, the things to keep in mind is uh, how very common it is. About one in five people will have major depression at some time during their life. Uh, in terms of uh, a more immediate perspective, about 16 million Americans will experience major depression every year. That's about 6% of the population. Uh, many of them, of course, receive antidepressants and uh I, I was amazed to learn that uh, one in 10 people in America is taking an antidepressant at any given time. So if you look around you and you're on the street, you, you can imagine uh, one out of 10 people you see are on this kind of medications. To me, that's why it's so important to uh, understand them uh, so that you're not just a passive recipient of a doctor's treatment, but rather a, an active partner in making a choice about treatments in general, uh, and if you go the route of medication, about medicines in specific. Yeah, absolutely. And I know so many people who listen to this podcast, and again, myself included, have experience with uh, antidepressants. And um, one, one of the things you mentioned is about taking an active role in that care with your doctor when you are prescribed these and keeping contact with them. And I know um, the thought of now this was, I guess this was probably a, a couple of years ago when I, I had began um, taking some antidepressants and I have since um, stopped using them, of course, you know, working with my doctor, but when I first was, um, you know, when she first brought up the possibility of doing this, I was quite apprehensive about it because I didn't want to take any pills and I, and I wasn't sure how I would react. And of course, there there's that bit of trial and error and what's the dose is going to be and all this kind of stuff. So um, perhaps share a little bit too about, you know, the, the patients you work with, the clients you work with, and perhaps some of the apprehension that comes with just starting on an antidepressant. Well, I think the, the first thing is to educate yourself as much as you can so that so that you can make wise decisions uh, certainly among the things to uh, 
be thinking about it, the most basic one is, will do these drugs work? And uh, we, we have some good information about that. Um, during this past year, a huge analysis of over 500 antidepressant medication studies uh, was uh, published. And what they did is they took the 21 most commonly used antidepressants and combine the information from, from over 500 studies, as I say. And what they found, um, reassuringly, was that in studies that met basic criteria of good scientific work, all of these medicines were effective in, in reducing uh, the symptoms of depression. Uh, some some uh, did better jobs than others. Some had more or less side effects than others. But the good news is that there's beginning to be data that they clearly um, do benefit depression. Uh, they are better than placebo or sugar pills, which uh, in the past has been alleged to be the not the case. And we can rest comfortably that they can help. Now, it's important also, though, to remember that, that they're not magic. They're, they're not medicines that uh, immediately remove all of one's depression and keep it that way. They're, they're drugs that ameliorate uh, the symptoms of depression, and they often take time to do it. Uh, I guess another thing that, that a person would want to know when they're starting out on or potentially starting out on an antidepressant is, uh, well, how soon can I get results and how good will those results be? Um, the answer is that it takes patience. Uh, many of these medications uh, take several weeks uh, for their benefits to, to clearly be manifest. Uh, there, there's one notable exception, which is a drug uh, called ketamine that's um, not widely used and still under investigation. And we can talk about ketamine later if you like. But with that one exception, these are drugs that take time. The second thing to be aware of is that the first dose of the first drug doesn't always work. Um, different studies have different figures, but very often, uh, numbers like uh, 40, 50 percent are seen in benefit after a month or six weeks. So it's very often that a doctor has to either raise a dose of a medicine or change to a different one. So the key to this whole topic is, is patience. It does take time. On the other hand, the, the numbers also show that if you do continue to work with the doctor and possibly make changes, um, over time, there's a very, very good likelihood that you're going to feel an awful lot better. Yeah, and I think it's important for us to mention probably several times as we talk about this is, is the importance of working with your doctor and staying in contact um, with him or her as you you know are on the medication and starting new regimens and doses and whatnot. And something you mentioned too, which which I had talked about before as well, is the first dose 
doesn't always work. And for me, like it, it didn't, like it did nothing. And um, I believe I had to set a, a follow-up appointment for, I think it was like four or five weeks after I had started. And I came back and I'm like, I don't feel a thing. Right. So, so of course, you know, she had to adjust the dosage and, you know, and, and, and the time of day that I took it, which unbeknownst to me at the time, apparently time of day is quite important when it comes to antidepressants. So I've learned that, but at the time I was like, I'll just take it whenever. And of course, silly me wondering why nothing was happening. That was part of it. So it's important to remember that whatever the whatever your doctor tells you to do, uh, make sure that you do it. Well, that's a very good point about the time of day. And um, also, I would mention one other thing. Although the major improvement in the major symptoms of depression, the depressed kind of thinking, the depressed mood, the loss of energy, and so on, can take um, and will usually take a number of weeks. Uh, some of the antidepressants are fairly sedating and uh, if you have both depression and sleep trouble can actually help your sleep within a few nights now that's not curing or helping your depression but a lot of folks find that kind of hopeful you know and see it as a sign of of moving in the right direction but once again for for truly dealing with all of the many qualities of depression the the, the magic word here is is patience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's always a good thing to remember that patience is, is a key whenever you're working with with a medical doctor or a mental health professional is that the things that you work on, you know, whether it's a therapy session or whether you are taking medications, is it takes time to for you know the medications to work. It takes time for the uh, strategies that you're working with with a professional to get be put in place. So, patience is always key whenever you're dealing with you know any part of your health. And so, if I am someone who is coming in to see a doctor and I have depression and we are discussing the possibility of medications, but I'm not really sure it's you know, the way I want to go, what types of alternatives do we have if we're not really sure that, that we want to start down the road of medications? Well, you've raised a really important point, which is that uh, there are non-medicine uh, approaches to dealing with depression. And um, there are two types of talking therapies or psychotherapies that have been shown to be equally effective to medication in mild to moderate depression. In very, very severe depression, uh, drugs usually uh, come out a little better, and certainly the combination of drugs and therapy is probably best of all. But for uh, mild to moderate depression, um, you need to know that you don't have to instantly jump to medications. Uh, the two forms of psychotherapy that are helpful in depression are called cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, and interpersonal therapy. Uh, the thing to know about both of them is that they're not super long-term therapies. When, when people hear about psychotherapy, they usually think, oh my gosh, this is... Uh, you know, like in a Woody Allen movie where I see the doctor four or five times a week and do it for months or even years. Well, that is, is one form of therapy. It's called psychoanalytic therapy. But, but these particular types for depression are short-term things, uh, usually measured in terms of uh, seeing a therapist for two to three months. Uh, 
So it's a, uh, and, and, you know, less frequently, just once or once or twice a week. So you're not committing yourself uh, to, you know, what seems like an overwhelmingly long kind of activity. Now, the two kinds of therapy are, are a little bit different. The CBT, for which the best evidence um, seems to be present, works on the notion that um, some of the kinds of thinking that a depressed person has can contribute to continuing uh, or and making the depression worse. So it, it's aimed at changing uh, the beliefs uh, and thinking processes. Uh, it helps change, for instance, you know, the idea of the glass half empty or the glass half full. It addresses feelings of guilt that probably aren't uh, necessarily appropriate and so on. It also looks at, at behaviors that a person may have that in dealing with other people, for instance, that may uh, <coughs> perpetuate a depression. The interpersonal therapy is a little bit different. As its name implies, it's um, oriented to um, the way uh, you interact with another person. And the general idea behind it is that having satisfactory relationships between uh, you and other people is an important part of uh, one's mental health, and it tends to address that. So there are these two types of therapy. Uh, and finally, I would add, they're not in any sense opposed to um, medications. In fact, the two can often be used together. And in fact, that's kind of my preference because there's, there's so many complex things going on in depression that it's really important to have somebody to be able to trust and, and talk with. Um, so those are the main kind of alternatives to, to medicines. Now, there are also alternatives um, if things are not going well with medicines, which is a little bit different topic. And I don't know if you'd like to talk about that now or that might yeah, be Yeah, sure. Please go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what we've talked about so far is a major issue when you're first beginning therapy, which is um, whether to uh, go the route of medicine or psychotherapy. Now, a different issue is, let's say that you have um, been on medicines, you've tried several different ones, you've tried different doses, you've been doing this for some months, and things don't seem to get, be getting better. Are there any alternatives out there in that kind of situation? And there are uh, a couple. One, one is, of course, if you haven't been in psychotherapy, to consider adding psychotherapy to the program. In addition, in people who have not done well with medicines, uh, there is a um, treatment called uh, TMS, or uh, magnetic stimulation. And what this involves is, um, again, in a short-term thing lasting a couple of months, you uh, go into a room, sit in, in a um, 
kind of a dental chair and they place uh, large electromagnets near your head and pass currents through them, which, which creates a magnetic field around your head. And uh, it turns out that it can be a very useful treatment for people who have not done well with, uh, with antidepressants. So th that's called TMS. Um, in addition, uh, I mentioned ketamine a little bit earlier. I just say a couple words about it. Um, it is a medicine that's been used for many years as an anesthetic. And there's been a lot of interest in a lot of newspaper articles in the last year or two about its use in depression. Um, it's given in very low doses, not enough to anesthetize you, but just in very low doses intravenously. And the claim has been made that it decreases uh, depression and suicidal ideation within um, a day or two and any one treatment lasting for an indeterminate time up to about a week. It, that sounds very marvelous when you hear that information, but, but there's a lot of caveats to consider. Um, the first is that uh, it's not well understood yet. It, it is not um, approved by the FDA for this purpose, although it is approved as an anesthetic. Uh, um, another thing to know about it is that it it may be more related to reducing suicidal thinking than to reducing depression as a whole. The, the two seem to be a little bit independent and research is still going on to exactly figure out whether that's the case or not. And finally to remember that like any medicine, it can have side effects and it's a particularly potent medicine. So some, uh, minority of people who take it can have confusional states and uh, and other difficulties. So the bottom line is if you read about ketamine and and similar drugs in the in the newspapers or see it on the internet, uh, doctors differ on this, but my own take on it is that it's very important as a possible way to develop new and better drugs in the future, but that it's not a, uh, it's not a done deal. It's something that is still in progress and that doctors are still studying to learn. But that on the other hand, it is a very promising thing because it's one of the few absolutely new kinds of medicine therapies that have come out in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's, it's fascinating just, just to hear you share about all these options because I think, um, you know, a lot of times being, you know, someone who, who works with a mental health professional, whether it's, you know, and you are there to work through problems of your past and, pro and struggles that you have now and whatever the case is, a lot of times you don't always realize that there's different options out there, be it, you know, with medications or therapy or, uh, support groups or this are, you know, as you mentioned, of course, magnetic stimulation might be an option. So it's nice to always keep in mind that if you're trying a, you know, a particular modality or regimen, or you've got a medication that, that doesn't seem to be doing that, there's a lot of different options out there and things that, that you can combine and change and, you know, kind of uh, intertwine into your own personal program, you, you know, using the help of your doctor, of course, to guide you along the way. So 
Um, because I think I, I was guilty of this for a long time as thinking, okay, well, I'm in therapy and that's where I need to go and that's where I need to stay until it works. And, you know, of course, there, there's, it's just, you know, keep in mind that there's, that there's different, obviously there's different modalities, as you mentioned, different types of therapists, different medications and everything that can really help increase, you know, the chances and the probability of your particular regimen providing the results that you want. Well, I, I think that's absolutely true. The, 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 the main thing is to know that there's many choices out there and the best strategy is to educate yourself about all of them so that you can uh, a be an active participant and be in the decisions and to make wise decisions. Absolutely. And so let's kind of transition a little bit here because I want to make sure we, we talk about your book as well. But before we do that, how can uh, antidepressants work with PTSD? How can they help? Are there challenges and, and concerns with, you know, starting this type well, of treatment? Well, sure. Well, uh, uh, of course, uh, depressed mood and anxiety are very much a part of the whole wide spectrum of, of things that happen to you um, in PTSD. And so antidepressants have been widely used to help that particular aspect of PTSD. Now, the the news gets better than that because at least two antidepressants um, are now specifically recommended by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for use in PTSD, the notion being that they, they may do deal with a wider spectrum of difficulties than purely depressed mood. And um, those two are um, uh, sertraline and paroxetine. And so doctors tend to use those too because they've been studied and indeed approved by the FDA uh, for use in, in PTSD. Um, another thing I would mention is, of course, the um, bad and scary dreams um, and nightmares, um, of course, very much can be a part of PTSD. And there's no drug that is specifically approved for that purpose, but many doctors use a medicine called prazosine um, to help reduce uh, nightmares and often get fairly good results. Again, I want to emphasize that this is not a uh, specifically approved by the FDA for this purpose, so it's what doctors call off-label prescribing. But there seems to uh, be clinical evidence that it can be um, useful specifically for the nightmare aspect of PTSD. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you brought up about the night terrors and the nightmares and those types of things. I had um, during some deep work with with a mental health professional years ago, I was having flashbacks of like almost every morning. And, you know, I was having these, these crazy dreams. Some of them were, were not necessarily, you know, night terrors or nightmares. They were just weird off the wall things I can't even describe. Um, but, but what was interesting was, um, you know, combined with, with the therapy, well, actually I should say initially the therapy wasn't really doing a whole lot in terms of trying to help those. But when I did, 
um, you know, start on a, a regimen of a medication for a time and we got the dosage right, you know, after a couple of months of, you know, trying, trying to play around with the right dosage and of course taking it at the right time, as I mentioned, um, I did notice that the dreams um, were either not as intense or they were not as frequent, you know, the longer that I was on the medication. And then when I eventually started to work my way off of it, you know, again, working with a doctor while doing that, they haven't, you know, they haven't returned. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily developed for that, you know, specifically, but in my case and I, and, and some others who I've talked to over the years, they've seen kind of similar results with taking, um, you know, certain types of meds. And of course, you know, seeing a decrease in their night terrors or their nightmares, which for me was phenomenal. Like I, w- I was so happy to not be waking up in the middle of the night, you know, scared out of my mind. Well, I'm, I'm really happy you had that, that good response. And uh, again, you can see in a way how little we know because there are not medicines specifically approved for the, nightmare part and then i i would caution everybody that that when doctors use that particular one i mentioned that it's what they call off-label prescribing but on the other hand i guess the good news is that we have at least two antidepressants that are specifically recommended uh, for ptsd and i i especially believe that uh Helping sleep is a very important first step because it uh, you can get the kind of relief that you just described that you got. And when things are feeling kind of hopeless or not good and feeling pessimistic, but you at least see a change in your sleep for the better, that can be awfully encouraging. Oh, yeah. Hugely encouraging. I know. I mean, we all know that the benefits of, of sleep on our, on, on our physical health and our mental health and our overall well-being are just widely known. And, uh, you know, I, it was just I was so happy to be able to get some sleep. And, um, you know, I know sleep is something that, you know, so many of us struggle with. And I know that we don't have time to go into that on this particular show because we definitely want to cover it in the future. But you're right. Um, you know, talking with your doctor, finding considering some of the medications you mentioned, um, if you are struggling with PSD or excuse me, PTSD is something to definitely consider. And, you know, maybe they will help with your nightmares. Maybe they won't. As you mentioned, they're not really designed for that. But the important thing is, is to not give up, to show a lot of patience and to understand that it's a process when you start taking any type of antidepressant or any kind of medication. Um, the other thing, uh, Dr. Mendelson, I want to get into quick is just your book and any resources that, that you can recommend when somebody wants to learn about um, antidepressants and do their own research. Because I have such strong beliefs that it's really important to educate yourself about possible treatments uh, before beginning treatment or during treatment. Um, I did write a book that's designed for folks, uh, you know, who don't have technical backgrounds. Uh, and it's called Understanding Antidepressants. It's uh, by Wallace B. Mendelson. And it's available on Amazon as both a uh, Kindle ebook and a paperback. Um, its purpose is to explain about uh, depression and where it comes from and what it may be about, uh, how these medicines work, and uh, to, and sort of a general background and evaluation of all the common antidepressants. Uh, as well as alternatives like TMS that we've mentioned. 
and psychotherapy, of course. So I, I believe that understanding antidepressants is a good starting place to help you move from a kind of a passive mode where you're a recipient of treatment to an active mode where you're right in there, a partner with your doctor and a partner in making uh, the best choices for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And mentioning again that taking an active role in your own treatment is crucial because, uh, you know, I think a lot of times there's a bit of perhaps an apprehension or a fear of, well, you know, should I speak up to my doctor? Should I share how much this really isn't working because they know more than I do and maybe I'm just not doing it right or, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, having um, an open communication with your professional um, especially when you're undergoing a new treatment or, you know, considering changing doses or, or medications or whatever, I think is, is really key. Um, you know, because with PTSD, and of course I have that as, you know, I suffer with PTSD is one of the things sometimes is we become very apprehensive about voicing our own opinion or saying, you know, well, this really isn't doing anything because we think it's supposed to be doing something. And then, and then maybe we think it's not because we did something wrong. Yeah, and of course, it may not be because you did something wrong at all, as you say, but it may be that you just have to have patience and try some alternatives until you hit the right one. And all the information seems to indicate that if you do keep trying and do uh, keep working with your doctor, the ultimate result is going to be a happy one. Finding a way to feel better, to live better every day, to have a better outlook on life and about ourselves and our interactions with people, and uh, a combined program of medication and and uh, therapy or other uh, modalities might just be the trick. So, you know, definitely talk with your with your doctor, with your mental health professional. And uh, Dr. Mendelson, this has been very enlightening, and I, I appreciate you definitely coming on the show today to share more about your experience in this area, talking about the antidepressants and the different types and different treatments and working with PTSD. So um, before we sign off, though, if you would like to share where people can you know, find more information about you um, and, of course, mention about where it is on Amazon to find your books and the title, that would be great. Well, thanks so much. Well, again, my name is Wallace B. Mendelson, M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-N, and I can be found on Amazon where I have books listed as well as an author page. And the book we're talking about today is called Understanding Antidepressants. Uh, I also have a website that describes these books and has interviews on topics related to depression and sleep, and that can be found at zibit.org. It's www.zhibit.org slash Wallace Mendelssohn. And I will put all uh, the links to your books on Amazon and the link to that website in the show notes. And I will definitely bring you back, Dr. Mendelson, again, because I want to get into this topic of sleep and your, and, and your work and, and your experience in this area and the books that you've written. But for now, thanks again so much, sir. It's been an amazing experience, and I'm glad to have you on Beyond Your Past. Thank you, Matt. I've enjoyed it very much. I'm, I'm a fan of Beyond Your Past, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out 
as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.